If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King, and we're just glad that you're here. You'll kick back and relax with us for about the next 30 minutes. We're going to open the Word of God and see what God has to say to us. A couple of announcements as we get started. Next weekend, we're going to be baptizing in all four services. Yes, we are fully aware that it is the 4th of July weekend. We think that is a great opportunity for us to declare a spiritual dependence day even while we're celebrating our nation's independence. Because you don't get to do life uh, independent of God. It just simply doesn't work. And so we're going to be baptizing at all four services. We want to encourage you to come and be a part of whichever service. We actually have a guy who's flying from New Jersey to come and get baptized. He watches us on the internet. Tom, if you're watching today, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And Tom is actually, he's flying from New Jersey to get baptized next Saturday night. I think that's just incredible. So anyways, we invite you to come be a part of it. It's going to be just an amazing service. We hope you'll come and be a part of it as well. Just want to to encourage you to do something. If you weren't here for Father's Day, do yourself the spiritual favor of going and getting the CD of Pastor Sean Cunningham's Father's Day message. It will bless you touch you. I listened to it yesterday afternoon. I was so proud of him for sharing that incredible story of he and his dad. He did just an amazing job. And uh, yeah, I'm driving the media people crazy because they, they make them and they keep selling out and they just keep selling them out. Sean just did a great job and you owe it to yourself to hear the story of him and his dad and his dad's cancer and his dad's passing and what God taught Sean through that whole thing. You'll, you'll be glad that you did. So I want to encourage you to do that. We've spent about five weeks with our friend Josh in the book of Joshua. My goal through these friends series that we've done, my friend Pete, we've done my friend Tim, now we've done my friend Josh. I have no idea who the next friend is that we're going to add. Uh, But our goal in all of these series is to give you just a taste of this person's life. So they're more than just a Bible character. They're actually a friend of yours. My prayer is that because we, in five weeks, we've just scratched the surface of what's in the book of Joshua, that you'll actually take your Bible, open it to the book of Joshua. If you've got a Bible, I guarantee you Joshua's inside of there. But to actually read the story from beginning to end, so you get an an opportunity to read it through and understand it and see all of the things that we're missing. But I'm going to try and cover 22 chapters in about three minutes, okay? I'm going to give you a high-speed overview of the book from beginning to chapter 23, because that's where we want to go today. I put it in your outline so you can follow along, but... Basically, here's the book of Joshua as fast as I can do it. In chapter chapter one, Joshua is called, confronted, filled with courage and commission. In chapter two, Rahab, a practicing prostitute, becomes Rahab, the prophetic preacher, and God tells an amazing redemption story. In chapters three and four, God stops a river. The people cross over. They're 40 years late, but at least they get where they're going. In chapter five, if you're a guy, you may want to have like your wife or significant other read that chapter for you because it is so not good to be an Israelite male in chapter five. It's wrong. It's painful just talking about it. So I'm going to skip over it. In chapter six, <laughs> just being straight, okay? Joshua comes up against a wall. The walls come tumbling down. In chapter seven, a guy named Achan sins and his sin affects the entire nation. And we find out just how seriously God takes sin because Achan and his entire family end up dead because of their sin. It's a pretty sobering story. In chapter 8, a town called Ai that caused trouble in chapter 7 goes down because now sin in the camp is completely gone. And at the end of chapter 8, the Israelites renew a covenant with God. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. In chapter 9, the Israelites make a deal with a group of people called the 
Gibeonites. It's a dumb moment. And if you open your paper these days, you'll see that there are still implications from that Gibeonite deception happening in our world today. In chapter 10, Joshua asks for a miracle. The sun stands still. The Israelites win and the enemies of Israel get nailed, literally, with hail. It's not a pretty story either. Read it for yourself. In chapters 11 through 13, the Israelites kick butt and take names. In chapters 14 through 22, they divide up the promised land. And by this time, Joshua was tired. And so am I. And then we get to chapters 23 and 24, where Joshua is preparing to die. He knows he's dying. He's about 109, almost 110 years old. He's been around a long, long time. And before he passes on, he leaves us with some final words. This morning, that's what I want to give you. I want to give you some final words from our friend Josh. And it starts with these words. If you want to follow along in your outline, you can fill in the blanks. He begins with the message, stand firm and hold fast. Stand firm and hold fast. Joshua 23 says this, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the laws of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. You are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. I think it's amazing that Joshua is still talking about the message that God gave him in Joshua chapter 1. Do you remember it back all the way back in Joshua chapter one? God comes to Joshua and he says, be strong and very courageous. 23 chapters later, over 80 years later, Joshua's like a band with one song. He's saying the same thing over and over and over again. Apparently God's message left a mark on Joshua's soul. He's saying the same thing over and over and over again. Apparently this message of being very strong and courageous had a deep impact and it was eternal in value. And I think in that moment, God teaches us a biblical principle and the principle is this. Whatever it is, if it's really from God, it will stand the test of time. I mean, I I just, I cringe when I hear people say words like, God told me. Because my first question is, are you sure? Are you sure? Because if you can't confirm it in scripture, you can't know 100% that it was God. And people just throw that around all over the place. God told me. You know where I get even more scared, where I cringe even more, is when people say, God told me to tell you. Because I'm thinking to myself, if it was that important, don't you think God would have picked up the phone and called me himself? I mean, seriously. (laughs) And I get freaked out because when people say that to me, God told me to tell you, there's usually something bad attached to the end. I mean, it's so rare when I get a phone call, somebody says, you know, hey, Grant, God told me to tell you something. You're awesome. You're doing great. You're right on track. You're preaching the word. This is fantastic. You're doing so good, kid. Just keep right on going. You know what I get instead? God told me to tell you something, Grant, and I'm going to say it in love. You suck, right? It's like, what? Yeah, you're just bad. You're you're like a false prophet. You're saying you're leading people down the broad road to hell, my brother. You need to repent. I'm just like, thanks for the encouragement, Barnabas. Come back next week and share it with me again, right? It's like, are you kidding me? I am not saying God does not speak through people. If I believed that God didn't speak through people, I'd have to fire myself this morning. I mean, think about it. But I'm saying this. When God speaks, if it truly is from God, it will be useful, 
It will be true and it will stand the test of time. I'm going to quote Dr. Hill again. If it's of God, it'll last. If it's of man, it will pass. God tells Joshua at the beginning of his leadership career to be very strong and courageous, to keep the word of God on his lips at every single moment. And in the final moments of his life, that instruction has impacted him so deeply, he just he starts parroting what he heard all the way back at the beginning of his life. That instruction lasted a whole lifetime. Do we get that? A whole lifetime. Parents, let's make this really, really personal. If Joshua's parents or if Joshua's kids were there at that moment and we would have had an opportunity to talk to them and said, what did your dad stand for? I believe they would have said, my dad stood for this. Be strong and very courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Because they'd heard it from their dad over and over and over again. Dads, uh, if I sat down with your son and asked him a question, what have you heard from your dad over and over and over and over again? So much so that it's left a mark that you'd summarize his whole life with those words. I wonder what your kid would say. I wonder if your son would look me in the eye and say, you know what my dad says all the time? My dad says, trust God or die. I wonder if he'd say that or if he'd look at me and say, hmm, one sentence, sum up my dad's life. How about, uh, where's the remote? (laughs) Mom, what if I looked your daughter in the eye and I said, can you summarize your mom's life? What have you heard from her so often that you, you can just, you could tell me in a second. Would she look at you? Would she look at me and say, oh yeah, my mom... She say, trusting Jesus is it. I wonder if they'd say that or if they'd say, oh, my mom. Oh, no, I don't know what she'd say. Straighten up. Stop crying. You're fine. Joshua was like a band with one song. Be strong and very courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Stand firm and hold fast to that because that will last a lifetime. The second piece of truth that Joshua leaves us with, he says two words, love wisely, love wisely. Joshua 23, 11 says this, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. I studied the word careful this past week. It means careful. Be very careful. Be very diligent, be consistent, be meticulous in the way that you love the Lord your God. I mean, who's Joshua mimicking here? He's mimicking his mentor, Moses, who way back in Deuteronomy 6 said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength. That prompts us to ask a question. How are you meticulously cultivating your love relationship with the Lord your God? If you want to know a very good litmus test, to figure out whether or not you're being meticulous in the way that you love the Lord your God, I'll give you a good litmus test. It's this. How do you react when sin comes and sits right in front of you? Do you minimize it and go, it's just not that big of a deal? It doesn't affect me. I've learned to look beyond it. Do you, do, do, do you react somehow? Do, do, do you turn a blind eye and ignore it and just pretend that it's somebody else's problems? My friend, we need to understand something. This is not politically correct to say, I don't care. God 
hates sin. And if God hates sin, then his followers should react when sin launches right in front of them. There should be something inside of us that identifies it and just knows it. Because if God hates it, something inside of us should be repelled as well. My friends, when sin stops bugging you, you are consciously choosing to not be meticulous about your love for your heavenly father. Joshua's being bold today. He's calling it like he sees it. What does he say next? He says, before I go, I want you to claim every promise. Claim every promise. Joshua 23, the verses go on and say this. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Basically saying, I'm getting prepared to die here. He goes on, you know with all of your heart and soul that not one of all of the good promises the Lord God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all of the evil he has threatened until he's destroyed you from the land that he has given you. I mean, I love the confidence of the words of Joshua. He says, every single promise God made has been fulfilled. Not one single promise has actually failed you. If you read Joshua's life, you'll realize over and over and over again, God makes a promise, he fulfills it. He makes a promise, he fulfills it. The whole book is a testimony to God's incredible faithfulness if you study the book you'll just see that over and over and over again and some of you are prone to say well i'm glad that worked for joshua but that doesn't seem to work in my life god keeps his promises with everybody else but he doesn't seem to keep his promises with me because i've been asking for stuff my whole life and i haven't got anything could it be that you're asking for the wrong thing could it be I mean, I believe some of the reasons that, that we arrive at wrong conclusions, like, like that God breaks promises, is because we don't understand how the promises of God work. So let's just stop for a second and go over just kind of a theology of how God works when it comes to promises. I put a little truth in your outline there. There's actually three of them, but we'll start with this one. Some of God's promises are exclusive, okay? They're for one person at a specific time. Let me give you an example. God comes to Mary who's a virgin and says, the Holy Spirit of God's going to overshadow you and you're going to conceive a child. I mean, he made her a promise. You're going to actually conceive the child who's going to be, he's the son of God and he's also God the son. But I need you to know something about the promise God made to Mary. It's not available to anybody else. I mean, you can pray all you want to for the immaculate conception to apply to you. It's not going to happen. If you're a 16-year-old girl, I don't know why you'd be praying that anyway, but, you know, that would just be weird. But that promise was for Mary and for Mary alone. God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, even though you're old, I mean, you're old, old, you get that? You're going to conceive a child. That promise was exclusive to them. If you're 84 years old today and praying that God gives you a baby, you may want to rethink that and redirect your spiritual energy to other things, all right? That promise was not for you. Do you get that? Let me put it to you this way. You may want to stop praying that because what if God goes, okay, (laughs) just to see how you react, right? Now, let's understand this. We can take hope from how God was faithful to keep his promises that were specific for other people, but we can't claim them for ourselves. Here's the second piece of truth when it comes to promises. Some of God's promises are conditional. 
They're in response to obedience. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, God says to the Israelites over and over again, if you do this and are obedient, you'll get this blessing. If you don't do this and are disobedient, you're going to get this consequence. There's a condition that went with it. Pastor Sean talked about one of these last week. One of the Ten Commandments makes a promise at the end that says that if you do this on the front end, you're going to live a long beautiful life and you'll be prosperous and successful. That's the promise. But the condition on the front says that you need to honor your father and your mother first. What's that mean practically? It means this. It means if you blew it on Father's Day last weekend and you die young, it means it's not my problem, okay? But that's the condition and the promise. You know, I hear people all of the time say, well, I don't understand why God doesn't bless me. Your first question should not be, what's wrong with God? Your first question should be, where am I being disobedient? Where am I making a conscious decision to violate God's will? Because that's where God's blessing begins, at the point of obedience. Is the third little truth about promises, that some of God's promises are universal. They're for all people for all of the time. I gave you a bunch of examples there so you can go and check them out on your own. Philippians 4.19 is a, a beautiful picture of a universal promise. It says this, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's a promise of provision. Now I want you to notice something. It says that my God will provide all of your needs, not your wants. And it says that he's going to provide those through the glorious riches, not of Wall Street, but of Christ Jesus. You see the differences there? Some of you would be in this room and you would actually have the nerve to say, well, I don't think God has blessed me in that way at all. Are you serious? Do you realize that just by being in this room today, that you are in the top 2% of the wealthiest people on the face of this planet? I look over this audience, the fact that you are clothed, that you had coffee on your way in and probably ate something this morning, I'll tell you something about your life. You are deeply and abundantly blessed by Almighty God and you should be grateful. And you should be grateful. They're universal. I mean, I hear people, why do we waste the time claiming promises that, I mean, the most famous promise promise that people claim out of scriptures that somewhere in there they think God promised them a BMW. It's not in the Bible. I checked, okay? I checked. God says he will provide for your needs. That's how the promises work. What other wisdom does Joshua leave us before he goes? I believe he calls us to choose once and for all. To choose once and for all. This is where it gets... I just get jacked with this one. Joshua 24 says this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers that they worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I mean, I see old Joshua getting halfway out of the chair, just said, just so we're clear, people of Israel and the people of Christ the King. A decision needs to be made and I've already made mine. And as for me and my house, 
Yeah, we've chosen our side. That line that Joshua draws in the sand is the same line that's facing all of us today. And and it goes to the Israelites and it goes to every single person here. You need to make a decision. You need to choose. You need to pick a team. You need to decide if you're going to go varsity or not. Once and for all, you need to make a decision who you're going to follow. You need to get off the fence, stop playing both sides, grow a spine and choose a side. You need to pick a jersey, put it on and never take it off for the rest of your life. If you are with God, then you need to live for God, which means that you need to throw away anything that looks like an idol, acts like an idol, smells like an idol or distracts like an idol. That means that anything that's in your life that takes away your time, your energy, your money, your attention, that takes it away from a proper focus on God, that it needs to go. I'm going to get really specific and tick some people off. That means if you've got the idol of the NFL, the NBA, MLB, World of Warcraft, text, Twitter, MySpace, your space, your house, your car, your looks, Facebook, handbook, playbook, checkbook, whatever it happens to be, it's time for you to do a gut check and make a decision whose team you're really playing on. Are we being clear? And then Joshua goes another step further. He says, once you've picked your team, I don't care what team your relatives play for. I don't care how broken your family tree was. I don't care how devastating your history was. You can make a decision right in this moment without reservation and with determination that the family that you stand with is going to choose a side. I can't speak for your house but I can speak for mine. As the patriarch of the Fishbook family with the most beautiful matriarch in Whatcom County, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated 20 years together. Awesome, just amazing. As far as Laurel and I are concerned, we will. We don't need to have a family discussion and put it up for a vote. It's not a we might or we maybe or we're thinking about it. No, we've already made a decision and crossed the line that as far as we, the Fishbook family, are concerned, we will serve the Lord. And we think there's only one. And his name is Jesus Christ. You want a perfect example of how this is going to get played out or how it could play out? Next weekend, we're going to fill a tank full of water. And a group of people are going to come and do something embarrassing. They're going to publicly go under and come back up again. We're going to ruin their hair on purpose. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) And in coming back up out of the water, they're going to say to each and every person that's here, I have picked my team. I'm sticking a flag right here in the middle of my life. I choose Jesus because Jesus chose me. I'm under the cross because he died for me on that cross. And if he asked me to do this, I will be obedient because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How about your family? How about yours? Last little piece that Joshua throws us before he rides off into the sunset is to finish well. Joshua 24. I love these verses. It says, After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. That was a long life right there. They buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Sirah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done 
for Israel. That little line in there has just captured me. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. You know why it captured me? Because it answers a question. Do you know what happens when godly leaders actually follow God? Other people follow too. When godly people follow God, other people begin to follow too. After the 8.30 service, I met a 17-year-old guy who accepted the Lord about two weeks, or two weeks ago right here through the influence of his best friend. They were following Jesus and their friend fell right in behind because they saw that they had something that they wanted. That's what it's all about. When godly people follow God, others follow as well. I mean, I, I have followed in the footsteps of some amazing people. I mean, I shudder to think of what my life would be like today if at around 17, God hadn't put a, a, a man by the name of David Boys in my life. David was a missionary kid from Nigeria. And he showed up to go to Brandon University. He took an interest in a 17-year-old punk kid. And David was the guy who called me out. One day, basically just called me out on my hypocrisy and said, Grant, pick a team. Stop playing both sides. Come on, man. Who are you for? I have no idea where I'd be today if David hadn't had the courage to do that. I mean, I don't know where I'd be today if, if Dr. Ian Lawson at Briarcrest Bible College between my second and third year hadn't sat me down one day and said, look, I think, I think you might have the gift of preaching. I think. So I'm going to give you a shot in a chapel and then I'm going to ask you to go and preach at every retirement community in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And you go and you practice. And we'll find out whether or not you got the gift or not. I'm so thankful for Dr. Ian. I mean, I, I think of, of other people. Jim Scobie, Elrie Pullman, Marv Penner. Just so many people who just blazed a trail. And I, and I just got to fall in step behind them. They were leaving a biblical legacy. And their dream was always that the people coming behind would outlive them and go past. Christ the King, what kind of legacy are you leaving behind for those who are following you? Is your legacy one of, one of, one of failures and excuses or failures and very good lessons learned? Failures are a given in this world. Is your legacy one of being busted or, or is your legacy one of willfully allowing yourself to be broken and spilled out before Jesus Christ? Is your legacy one that's obscured by poor choices and pain? Or would you be willing to cross the line today, follow Jesus Christ, and start a brand new legacy of faith right now? Regardless of where you came from, the question is, where are you going to go? You know, where you started doesn't matter that much. It's where you finish that matters. Where will you end? Joshua says, finish well, my friends. All throughout our study of Joshua, we've been talking about the Joshua challenge. We, we learned something at the very beginning of this study that, that there was something that sustained Joshua all the way through his life. And it, it was the fact that God had told him, don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything that it says. Then you will be successful and prosperous. 
Joshua learned the value of staying in constant communication with God. So we've laid out the Joshua challenge again. I'm going to lay it here one more week. If you've been a Christ the King for years, you've heard about the 10 tens over and over and over again. The 10 tens is a place to start. 10 minutes of prayer, 10 minutes of reading the word of God. And then we added another element that we would actually pray beyond ourselves to pick two other families and just pray for them as part of this challenge. But what you need to know is this, the 10 tens, it's a good place to start, but you can't end there. The dream is that the 10 tens become 12 12s. And eventually 18 18s and, and then 30 30s and pretty soon they're 60 60s. And what about the dream of 24 7 communication with God? It just flows out of you. It, it's like it's the blood that pumps through your veins, it's your life source. What about that dream? I mean, I want you to understand something. When God comes to Joshua in that moment and says, meditate on it day and night, there's no term limit attached. You don't do it for a week and then you're done. You don't do it for a month and then you're done. You don't read through the Bible once and then you're done. No, it's supposed to be a day by day all the way through your life. That's what sustained Joshua as a leader and as a follower of God. So if you got started, don't quit. Keep going. Be strong and very courageous. The Lord your God is with you in those moments. One of my favorite pastors is Wayne Cordero. I just love Wayne. He's at New Hope in Hawaii. And, and Wayne, I, I pulled this little quote out of one of his articles. I thought it was amazing. He goes, after all of these years of studying my Bible, my Bible, my goal is no longer to study the Bible. It's to let the Bible study me to let it crawl into every nook and cranny, every crevice, to pull open every wound and to change and heal. I want the word of God to lay me open. I believe Joshua got to that point at the end of his life and now we're going to get to say goodbye. I don't like goodbyes very much. I had some sad goodbyes on Friday night. I had to say goodbye to vacation. I said goodbye to SPF 30. I said goodbye to my sunglasses. I said goodbye to my beach and my palm tree and my friend Rich who set up my umbrella. Do you actually know that they have umbrellas in other parts of the world that keep the sun off of you? It's the craziest thing. And they're big. Yeah, it's awesome. I had to say goodbye to not having to make any decisions and not having a schedule for about seven days. I had to, I had to say goodbye to, I had to say goodbye to having the biggest decision of the day be where are we going to go for dinner tonight? That's a good vacation when you're there. I'll tell you, that's good. We had an awesome time, and those bad, you know, those goodbyes—they weren't bad. They were, they were just real. It comes with it. Braden and I actually got to to listen to a very bad goodbye. We were standing on the beach and there was a stone wall right behind where we'd laid our towels and there was a family standing there. At first I thought it was, I thought it was a husband and what was obviously his ex-wife and I thought it was just a friend, a young girl standing beside the, the mom and they were having a conversation going back and forth and it didn't take me long to put the pieces together to realize that the dad was saying goodbye to his daughter. But the goodbye went something like this. No, you don't understand. I just don't want to do this anymore. 
I don't want you in my life anymore. You come home every Thursday. You go out and you get wasted. We're not doing this anymore. I just want to be in my family. So I've decided I'm going to terminate my parental rights. No, sweetie, you don't understand. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. That's when I put the pieces together. The other girl standing in the little trio, that was his, that was his daughter. Stand there and go, what are you doing? Dude. Not just what are you doing? What are you undoing right now? Don't you understand that God is listening to this conversation? Don't you understand what you're severing right in this moment? Dude, you need to pick a side. You need to choose. You and your family, they need to serve the Lord. What are you doing? It was a terrible goodbye. It just stuck in my brain. Took the edge off the whole day. I was thankful because later on, the next day, God gave me the opportunity to exchange the bad goodbye for a good goodbye. We were in an airport and I was watching a family in another one of the leaving areas. Mom and dad... And a son wearing a very distinguished camouflage uniform. Obviously, the son was going to protect somebody's freedom. And I watched the dad put his hands on his son's shoulders. And I watched him pray blessing over his boy. And when he was done praying and everybody's wiping away the tears, I saw the son put his hands on his mom and dad's shoulders And I watched him pray. You know what was really, really interesting? He prayed just like his father. And I know I shouldn't have been eavesdropping. How do you miss a moment like that, right? I had to go to the bathroom all of a sudden. (laughs) And here's this son praying that God will comfort and bring peace to his mom and dad while he's gone. And that they would never forget that there's no safer place that he could be than right in the palm of God. That was a good goodbye. That was an awesome goodbye. They said everything that needed to be said. So today, as we say goodbye to Joshua, it's not a bad goodbye. It's an awesome goodbye. If you'll remember what he said. Be strong and very courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do every single thing inside of it. Whenever you come up against a wall, don't focus on the height of the wall. Focus on the size of your God. When there's sin in the camp, it's got to be dealt with be dealt with and then before you go choose you this day whom you will serve as for me and this house we will serve the Lord Joshua's name means my God is salvation I believe he lived up to his name May God grant us the strength to live up to the name that hangs over the doors that you walked in this morning that we would always serve 
Christ the King. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, thank you for being there for Joshua and for being there for us. God, thank you for every promise that you've made because you have fulfilled it, some ways seen and some ways unseen. God, I thank you that even though this is goodbye to Joshua, that it's not goodbye to you because you are always present. We thank you that the Lord our God is with us each and every moment of each and every day. God, I pray for those who are here today who may not know Jesus. Father God, I pray that they would know that they could give their life to you, no matter how broken it is, right in this moment, that they could receive forgiveness for the past, hope for the future, and they could begin a brand new legacy right here and right now. I pray that they would have the faith of Joshua to cross that line and choose this day who they will serve. God, I pray for the veterans of the faith who may be struggling to walk around Jericho one more time. God, would you give them the strength to put one foot in front of the other and just keep on walking. God, may we always hear the words of Joshua, our friend, ringing in our ears. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. May that be true of each and every household represented in this place today. God, thanks for our friend Josh. He's taught us a lot. May we continue to learn from your word. We thank you that it is true and that it will last a lifetime. And we pray these things in your son's matchless and wonderful name. Amen.